Welcome to season two of This Epic Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Bennett Andrade, and this season we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to be going through each episode, going through the RIR protocol with compassionate dialogue. So today we have the two co-founders of the protocol, Dr. Nancy Dome and Jennifer Jeffries. So Nancy, could you begin with just giving us the background of where the RIR protocol came from? Absolutely. And I want to add that it's also Dr. Jennifer Jeffries. Dr. Um, Jennifer Jeffries. <laughs> Jennifer and, um, and I uh, working together at uh, Cal State San Marcos. And I want to say that that was um, 2000-ish, 2001. And um, uh, at our university, there's a lot of support for collaboration. And so uh, Jennifer and I knew that we wanted to collaborate on something for presentations that we were basically required to do and that we wanted to do. And um, we were working on a presentation for the NAME conference, which is the National Association of Multicultural Educators. And we were working through this and we wanted to talk about um, how we communicate, how things are going, but we didn't have anything really uh, set in stone yet. And then, and I'll have to let Jennifer take this one over. Um, Jennifer had an experience that she brought back to me that really set the the ball rolling and as far as us defining what compassionate dialogue, and at that time we, we didn't even have the compassionate dialogue language, that kind of came after, uh, but really uh, was the 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 founding of the protocol. So Jennifer, you wanna, you wanna share a little bit of that? Thank you, Nancy. Um, as, as Nancy mentioned, the university, uh, Cal State University San Marcos had a, a campus culture and commitment to exploring and coming to know what social justice might look like and be like in our schools and in our institution and in our communities. So my, my brain was already primed for some insight into that. And one day I was visiting a school district and it was during uh, budget cut times. So everybody was very sensitive about people's status, like a bus driver, a teacher, a cafeteria worker. So I was very attuned to that. And as I walked into the district office, there were two signs. One said non-certificated with an arrow going that way. And the other said certificated going the other way. Now in our world, certificated are administrators and teachers. So in this case, that sign non-certificated indicated not a teacher and administrator. That really hit me. I mean, it just stopped me cold and I started thinking, what is it like to be non-something? I've never been a non-anything in my life, I have to say. Never. But that hit me like a shot to my heart that as bus drivers walked in and cafeteria workers walked in and the custodians, especially in the age of budget cuts, where classified staff, as we call them, are generally the first to be hit. And I thought, wow, that was my non-ness experience about what is it like in this world to be a non-something? It's, it's the invisibility factor. So that began revving me up on our, our collaboration, and I shared it with Nancy. And then, what do you feel happened, Nancy, after that? <laughs> well, you know, 
I, I remember us talking, I mean, because that really was, you know, that's when um, I think I was like, I need to, we need to term non-ness, like we need to, like, what does it mean to be non? Because we kept, you know, and then we started thinking about like non-white or, you know, non-English speaker and non, and we went through this whole dialogue of all the nons that we could think of. <laughs> and, um, and so, and that's actually how we got to the title of our presentation for that year, which was the tragedy of non-ness. It was this idea of, you know, being stuck in this non-place where you're, where you're not the norm. And, and I think it was through that process then of working out you know, how do we provide an experience that we thought it would be useful to begin to think about um, a protocol. Like what, what would be the step to when, when this happens and we, and we, reckon, we recognize like the language that we use and how it marginalizes us, um, how would we begin to interrupt that? How would we change it? And, um, and so we started talking about steps of like, what would happen? Like, first I would have to like, like Jennifer in that instance, she recognized that she had a, 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 a trigger, that it triggered something in her to, when she saw that sign about non, non, um, certificated. And for me, I know that I have a trigger when someone refers to me as non-white. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was kind of the beginning of us getting that, that language together about, you know, recognize, okay, so once you recognize it, what do you do? You know, and then that came to interrupt. And then I think we said, okay, but then we can't stop there. So there's got to be the repair. And I can't, you know, you'll have to help me with my memory, but I, I kind of remember it was through multiple dialogues that we actually started to come up with these steps because we wanted to, uh, to kind of codify it or quantify it for people to be able to follow. And Nancy, uh, exactly right. And um, there was something else happening for me as a white person and being on a campus where we, we were actively making an inquiry into whiteness, right? Mm -hmm. And as well as um, social justice. And I would get kind of irritated questions from people generally, what's a well-meaning, nice white person supposed to do, <laughs> right? And so this whole emergence of the recognize, interrupt, repair became a moment of hope for me that I would have something to offer mm. meaning nice white people <laughs> they can do and what what it means to be a skilled recognizer it's 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 not it's not innate you have to tune yourself up to start being able to recognize what's going on and how do, you, how do you be a skilled interrupter? And how do you be a skilled repairer? So in addition to everything, there was this other slice going on for me about, well, when people ask me that question, I better have an answer. Because we, we've got to examine our journey as white people of the unearned advantage, the privilege, and the power that allows for a sign that says non-certificated. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Right? So... That was also going on in the in the mix. Yeah, and then and then I remember when we did that first presentation, I, we had ninety minutes, and and the time went by so fast, and we had so many people just like just be so grateful for a tool, and um, and then we got invited back the next year to do a, a full day pre conference with Name, where and that's where we started to really expand, you know, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, as far as um, this notion of 
of these steps, this protocol that if you follow this protocol to will help you in these difficult, you know, conversations. And then I think I, and so was the compassion dialogue. I can't remember if that came with us together or if I brought that in afterwards. Oh, you brought that in afterwards because um, one of the things that I'm just so moved by Nancy is how you took this concept of recognize, interrupt it and repair it. You took it and you have layered it out to this amazing constellation of skills and processes that are accessible to people. So compassionate dialogue uh, was something that, that grew under your, your uh, good nurturing and your, your group that you were working with over time. And it, it's so important because one of the, one of the things that, that, that has to be on the table is, and that you do so beautifully in groups is you begin with, there is no shame or blame here. Because we were stymied in the early 2000s because it felt shamey and blamey, and then it was defensiveness. Yeah. People are impenetrable when they're defensive, right? So it begins with this, at least for white people, it begins with this notion of this isn't about shame or blame. Your, your racial conditioning was given to you. Mm-hmm. But once you understand about your unearned advantage, and you understand about systemic and institutional racism, then your reckoning is with your racial conditioning and what you're going to do about it now. Period forward, you have to act upon what you have recognized now, right? And that that compassionate dialogue comes in and watching how you do it with groups and invite them in to try it on, right? The try it on model so that we can get used to the language about, because if if we're going to interrupt things, we're going to have to do it with compassion with the people who hold power. Yeah. Or they'll just drop kick us out the door, right? (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I also remember thinking, um, that's why I, I I was trying to get the timeline. I also remember thinking that the protocol without the compassion piece didn't didn't kind of dictate how you were supposed to approach it. So I can recognize and interrupt, but my interruption without compassion could just could also lead to more negative interaction, right? Because if my interruption is, you know, that was a really stupid thing to say, it's an interrupt, but it's mm-hmm. not compassionate. And it and it leads us to more of the same of what we already have. So for me, the layer of compassion was super, super important because it, it, it dictated how, like the, the, it, the way yes. in which we would, the way in which we would approach this, these steps was mm-hmm. through this lens of compassion. So I'm playing with it lately. So I'm going to lay it on you and let me see what you think is that I, I, I kind of think of compassionate dialogue as the framework and then the RIR, the protocol as the tool in the framework, right? The framework is this big, this larger notion of, you know, how do I, if, with compassion dialogue, how do I, essential questions, engage, you know, in difficult um, conversations w- with compassion, with an intent to understand, with a desire to, to find common ground, as opposed to engaging in difficult conversations to prove that I'm right or to make you wrong or that is. And so the compassion is. You know, even though we refer to it most of the time as RIR, I think that we really have to remember that the compassion piece is what makes it different, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
And, and I would add to that um, uh, explanation and, and construct that the recognize, interrupt, and repair are the verbs for the technical work. Mm -hmm. And then compassionate dialogue is the vehicle by which we can, these can matter. Mm -hmm. yes. Right? So yes. it's, it's such a beautiful pairing. Uh, it's like a good meal and a wine, you know, uh, the IRR and the compassionate dialogue. Um, they, they, they just go so well together. Yeah. I think what's interesting about the RIR protocol as well is it, at least now, is taken form in an interpersonal, intrapersonal, and systemic way. Like, you see it being able to work in all those modes. Like, at the beginning, was that how you were looking at it? Like, were you purposely looking for something to fit in all those categories, or did it just kind of fall into that? No, I think in the beginning, it was really about that interpersonal. I mean, we were really talking about how people communicated with each other. I think for me, the biggest thing, and it's what um, what we teach now at Epic the most, is this notion of practicing. And I, and I don't think that had it not truly resonated in my core with me, mm -hmm. about it, not just about how we work, but also as a tool that um, really supported my personal life, like my ability to communicate effectively with family and friends. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it would have ever grown, but I, I really found its application, um, you know, like applicable in all areas of my life. And so it was this thing that just kept evolving and kept evolving. And the more I used it, I got clearer on the on mm -hmm. kind of each step and how I needed to define each step, step so that people could, it could be comprehensible. Yes. Yes. And, People do, you know, when I explain RIR to them and they try it on, they will often say, I can use this in my marriage. <laughs> yes. I can use this at my church. Yes. <laughs> so it is, once it's in, it becomes very organic and just goes to all relationships. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's not circumscribed into social justice efforts. And then we click right. into some other right. mode of relating. Right. Right, right, and, that, and that's that's helpful because then it's then it's a truly rooted thing rather than a, you know, just take it with me when I need it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, and it makes it easier to um, to access because it is ingrained, right? It's something that you. It's truly the way, at least for me, it's the way I communicate. When mm -hmm. when I get into those sticky places, and it's also the way I interrupt myself. It's how yes. even when it's on a personal thing, and so mm -hmm. to your question, Bailey. Um, that evolution just, I think that that just happened as the more I used it, I just saw that it was, it was applicable across the board. And then I tried it on and it seemed initially like a stretch, right? Because mm -hmm. the prompts that we were initially using were very focused on the intra and interpersonal kind of deeper reflection. But when we started asking, using it and laying it over the systemic and institutional, um, I began to see that, well, it, it's just as effective. So you're still in touch with the feelings, but there's another level of recognize. So, you know, you recognize that's, that something's wrong. That's, you know, with the system, that something's not working like it should, or mm -hmm. it's not having the impact that it should. And then there's feelings associated with that, that you still have to um, navigate. But then the interrupt is the same, but the interrupt is, you know, sometimes you know, we talk about interrupting a person or a, a situation. In this instance, it can be a policy or a procedure. 
then mm-hmm. you're stepping in and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. how, we need to stop it now um, because it's not working. And then we need to begin the repair. And so it, it just became this thing that was like, wow, these steps really, they're universal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and some people say, I'm, I'm not good at confrontation. Yeah. So the, 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 the interrupt phase has the greatest potential for confrontational kind of work. Mm-hmm. When you help people understand that a well-asked question, calmly posed, can move mountains. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have this stereotypical um, uh, uh, approach to an entrenched problem. You you can have skills like well-asked questions and um, the use of new language repetitively and watch the needle move, right? Mm-hmm. Think of yourself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You're teaching people a new way of thinking about things. Yeah. Yeah. And and that that's there's a comfort level with that that is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think what I really love and appreciate about the protocol is I actually got my degree in communication, right? Ah. <laughs> and when I would tell people, they like there was always this kind of thing like, oh, so you're like not really taking college very seriously. <laughs> and it was it's like it's like there's this lack of value with communication, but. Honestly, I am so happy that I got a degree in it because it's, like we've said, it's helped me in every aspect and level of my life. And I've realized that communication patterns on a small scale can be blown up to understand things on a larger scale. And they really work similarly because people are very pattern oriented, right? Everything that we run is, it was created by a person and there is definitely a way to communicate more effectively. And then when this RIR protocol came to be about and I learned about it I was like well shoot I just studied this for four years and I could have just learned this (laughs) don't tell your mother that she won't be happy (laughs) exactly exactly and it's so cool to have something that doesn't require it's been secreted away somewhere and you have to do four years of something to get this is so accessible you know yes yes and um just it's just a very elegant way in yeah yeah you know one of the things that i've been uh toying with too as i'm starting to write this book is um uh, putting in parentheses next to the interrupt inquiry right because i think that people have been struggling kind of as you mentioned with you know their their preconceived definitions of what interruption means and and I do mean interrupt because we do want whatever it happened, especially in the negative, to stop, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this notion of just putting a little a thing that says inquiry, like yeah. like it's through inquiry, we're interrupting through inquiry Inquiry-y. as opposed to through through aggression. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. we're not we're not we're not interrupting. Ugh. We're interrupting wisely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Wisely and skillfully. Yeah. I think you're more interrupting the the moment, the the mm. intent that's or the impact, right? You talk about that mm-hmm. intent versus impact. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like and that. It's, it's interrupting the impact. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and and we're getting a really significant lesson right now, aren't we, with Black Lives Matter? 
Yeah. yeah. We're getting opportunities here because there, there are people will say to me, well, aren't there, aren't there times when you should be angry? Yes. And, um, my, one of my favorite leadership scholars, Sir Giovanni, has this concept of righteous indignation. <laughs> I word, indignation, right? And his, his point there is that a, a stable leader can gain ground on the change that needs to be made through stability rather than irritability, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But when you do come across an issue that is so morally and ethically deplorable, the fist on the table and righteous indignation is needed. Mm -hmm. And then you move back to stability and say way forward. And right now, Black Lives Matter is our righteous indignation moment as a, as a society. Yeah. And is. we and it's and it's opening us up to seeing, and now we can go into interrupt and repair. Yeah, yeah, and you know what's interesting is that you know you say that, and um, and I think that people who would be, you know, right now because they're so polarized on the other side of the Black Lives Matter movement, maybe mm -hmm. on the All Lives Matter or the Blue Lives Matter, mm -hmm. um, feel equal equally like this is that fist on the table, and so you know this is where the protocol I think is so powerful because if both of us are in our righteous nation. You know, yeah. me in support of Black Lives Matter, you in support of All Lives or Blue Lives Matter, um, and and if we if we're so stuck that we can't seek to understand the other and to find that common ground to deepen our our, our mutual knowledge base, um, then then we all stay stuck in that righteous indignation, right? And so I, I'm I'm really curious about how the implications of the protocol on on really interrupting this this you know this division that we see constantly mm -hmm. where you know just through a symbol mm -hmm. um, you you have decided who I am because of my relationship to the symbol right mm -hmm. yes yes and vice versa that I've decided who you are that's right mm -hmm. yeah yes it really really mm -hmm. feels right now that Something like the RIR protocol on a wide base scale is like really needed, right? It's like we have people all over the place, and there's a there's seems to be so much fallout in communication right now. So much, you know, you end the conversation, you go to this side, and you go to that side, and that's where we stay, right? And like you said, Nancy, there's this lack of like being able to to understand each other. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's where the compassion in com comes in, right? Because if you and I are on what we believe are opposite ends, if, if I understand, it's not about again, me changing your mind or you changing my mind. But if I can understand where, where you are coming from and if you choose to understand me, then I, I really believe that because at the end of the day, I think that we all are, are kind of, well, all of us who are not kind of extremists really trying to, you know, create chaos and and who want you know all the you know all the BIPOC people to disappear you're not talking about extremists on either side and we're really talking about them people who have a strong who really I think without even knowing are coming from the same who want the same thing just we just don't know because we can't ever talk about it because I'm so stuck in, in my belief mm -hmm. well and I think the 
the beauty of the, the utilitarian nature of IRI, RIR, um, it is very helpful because when it's combined with the compassionate dialogue, one can, a, a person who is, is um, moved by BLM mm -hmm. and a person who's moved by uh, Blue Lives Matter, right? That BLM person can move towards the black, the Blue Lives Matter. For instance, a conversation I recently had with a person who has real trouble with BLM, and I said, you know what, Ed? Blue lives do matter. And I yeah. think we've done a huge disservice to our law enforcement with having them fill it, fulfilling too many roles. We have to stop that. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're right. They shouldn't have to be social workers. I said, I am so with you on that. Yeah. And I said, and for me, the Black Lives Matter moment for us now is to take a look at a very stubborn, stubborn problem we have in this country, that if we can approach it together, we will be able to find some solutions. And that'll be good for Blue Lives Matter, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about, and but it's all about having language at the ready. Right. And that's why these are so important. <laughs> because people have to have practice time. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, ha they don't have, it's like, it. you know what? It's a second language. Yeah. Compassion, it is. compassion talk is a second language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you know, your example you just you just gave, I want to just go back to that for a second, because even in even in you sharing that story, I felt the softness and the compassion rise in me. Right. And so that and so we have to tap into that empathy. That's mm -hmm. why it's so important, because because I can I, I, I am in full support of Black Lives Matter, but I'm also in support of Blue Lives Matter. And they're not in opposition. Uh, my whole family is law enforcement military. Right. That's I, I, I support that. And it's not but. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have a problem. And so, you know, how do we begin to have those conversations that we each feel each other in a way that that humanizes each other so that we can find that common ground? Because I don't that's why exactly like your friend that you just described, you don't disagree. You're just coming. You're just looking at the coin from different sides. Right. 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 And, but you know, the, the amygdala gets triggered Yes. And, and we're all in the fear, you know, fight, flight or freeze mode. And so we got to work on that too. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And, that, the, and that's what the protocol really helps you do. So when it you, does. you know, the recognize is that self-reflective piece and, mm -hmm. and we get mm -hmm. to stop and really assess where we are, what's happening in our own bodies and then what is my normal response? So if my normal response when anger is triggered is to yell and scream, then I probably need to go take a walk, you know, so that right. I can really interrupt with inquiry instead of my 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 normal kind of um, um, response of, you know, for me, it's fight, you know. Um, right. So you know, really taking ownership of, of the feelings that it, um, that it triggers and then not letting the feelings own you, but actually me own feelings. It doesn't just, it doesn't discard the feelings that I have, but what it does or disregard them. But what it does is it allows me to, to own them and then move forward 
um, as opposed to letting them own me where I have no control. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and um, you mentioned it early, Nancy, as long as the energy is about being right, mm-hmm. nothing will be won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's part of that excusing yourself when you feel that rightness yeah. <laughs> coming yeah. forward. So, and RIR, our, our, grand, our great-great-grandmother's graduate right, count to 10. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> The original RIR. Yeah, the original RIR. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, thanks. You know, Jennifer, it's just, it's really nice to, we really haven't revisited it like this way to really just talk about the origins. And Mm -hmm. I I just think it's so important. And I will say that I'm glad to have you tell the story because I've actually told it incorrectly for all these years. What, you know, what but the, the message was right. It was just oh, yeah, the, the details. Right. Yeah, the message was right. But I'll tell you what I heard you say um, when it came to the lettering was that it wasn't non-certificated. I heard it as non-essential personnel. Yeah. And um, and so that's how I told the story. But I tell you, it had great impact because, of course, you know, when we think about non-essential, that's 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 even a step above the non-classified, non-certificated, right? Exactly. But I have heard it in places where they talk about who's essential personnel and who's non-essential. And I think that's what I was conflating, but even that language is extremely problematic, right? And right now in COVID, what are we hearing? Essential employees. That's right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And how how interesting how that turned on its head, huh? Yeah, yeah, because the essential employees are the ones that are the most undervalued in our society right now, right? It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we got work to do. You <laughs> ladies gave us the tool. <laughs> like I said, now we don't have to go to college for four years to get a degree. <laughs> I'm not advocating that. <laughs> Still go, but just know. <laughs> I definitely, I definitely learned more than just you know communication yeah, no skills. i know so I, yes. <laughs> absolutely so anyone that wants to go to college go to college please <laughs> yes yes do what you need to do <laughs> it was a wonderful yeah, experience but, but i'm just grateful to be able to revisit um revisit this and and the origins and just know that um you know even though you had limited kind of in the beginning we were all in and then it just kind of disappeared while we were doing our work that you know, I don't believe that it would have happened without you, you know, in, oh. in, in right the way. And so I'm so, I'm so grateful for the opportunities that um, Cal State gave us to, yes. to really collaborate and, and give us time to develop and create mm-hmm. together. Um, yes. And, and so I'm, I just know that I'm always in gratitude and always acknowledge uh, your contribution to the birth of, of what is now, you know, Compassionate Dialogue aka the RIR protocol. Well, Nancy, I have the same feelings towards you. You've just, you've taken an, an emerging thought and idea, and it's like a huge garden now. I'm just overwhelmed by it. I was telling my sisters about it the other night, and they were just like, yeah. Yeah. Brought it to the fore, my friend. Yeah. yeah well, That's thank amazing. you. Wouldn't have happened without you, so. Yeah. Visit www.epiceducation.com for resources that will help you to understand and navigate the ever-changing world of diversity, equity, and inclusion.
We are a company that trains and transforms with innovative in-person and online equity workshops that support school districts and leaders to build capacity to carry on this work internally. Now go out and have an epic day. 